Welcome to Stogie from the Road, a podcast for the everyday truck driver. Here we talk about life on the road and everything in between. I am your faithful trucking servant, Stogie the Trucker, and I'm joined by my faithful companion, Bonnie the One-Eyed Wonder Dog. So if you're out there burning up that highway tonight or just sitting at home relaxing, I want you to turn up that dial and enjoy this episode of Stogie from the Road. Welcome back to another episode of Stogie from the Road. Thank you guys all for tuning in once again to the new podcast, Stogie from the Road. I am your host, Stogie the Trucker, and my sidekick, Bonnie, over here, relaxing like a champ. It's like she was born for this. It was like she was born to sit back, relax, and watch somebody else do all the damn work. Bonnie, honey, you're killing it. You're nailing it. Good girl. Guys, thank you again for tuning in. I want to take a quick moment to go over a couple things with you all. Um, Guys, if you can, I've gotten some great feedback just after two episodes alone. My phone has been blowing up. My inbox has been blowing up. People have been hitting me up, loving what we're doing here. So that's a good sign. But if you can, if you enjoy the show and you enjoy what we're doing, can you please subscribe to the show? And please, if you can, share it. That is a huge game changer for anybody starting a podcast because that helps bring the podcast out of obscurity and gets it out to people that might not know who I am. So just share it to your wall, send it to your friends. I don't care. Throw it out the window and see if it sticks to somebody's windshield. I would truly appreciate it. So um, also, if you have any business or service that you would like to have on the show, hit me up. If you're willing to sponsor the show and be a part of this thing that we're doing here and get behind it, just let me know. Send me a message on Facebook and uh, we'll work something out. It's going to be one of those, you help me, I help you. You help me and I'll help you. So yeah, there's that. So if you want to be a sponsor of the show, let me know. Send me a uh, message on Facebook, and we'll chat. Lastly, we're going to also be starting in the next few episodes a thing called Stogie's Mailbag. Send me a message on Facebook. If you got my number, send me a message. And if you have anything you want to see covered on the show, if you have a question you want me to answer, write into Ye Old Stogie's Mailbag, and we'll put it on the show. We can do anonymous, or we can put your name on the show and give you the props that you deserve. So, uh, again, keep an eye out for Stogie's Mailbag. Actually, when you see this, if you want to go ahead and get that started, go ahead and get that started. Send me a message after you hear this podcast, and we will cover it on the next episode. We're going to try to do these multiple times a week. At bare minimum, there's going to be a new episode coming out every week. So, with that being said, let's get on with the show, shall we? Let's talk about something. Let's let's cover this little topic here. And I want to clear up any questions that people might have. And the biggest question I have all the time is, what's Bonnie doing? I'm going to 
solve that little Scooby-Doo mystery right now. Nothing. Bonnie doesn't do anything. You see, Bonnie had a very rough life coming up. If you're familiar with Bonnie's story at all, Bonnie, before I got her, was a bait dog. And I'm pretty sure most of you should be familiar with what a bait dog is, but Bonnie was not fighting. She was being used as a tool to be practiced on. She was an absolute disaster when I got her. They just took her eye, and she actually still had stitches where her eye used to be when I got her. So Bonnie subscribes to, I guess, the road less traveled now, which is the minimal amount of steps possible. Now, granted, when you see her, she is going to be a very happy dog and all kinds of pouncy happy and probably try to leave with you. She's the most kidnappable dog on the planet. Sorry, getting a sip of my coffee here. She will try to get in the vehicle with you and try to leave. I don't take it personal. That's just Bonnie. Bonnie's kind of more of a impulsive specimen. But she's a very, very happy dog. And in her free time, it either involves sleeping, eating, and shitting. That's what she does. She has her master's degree in all three of them. She does them well. She needs no help from me on any of it. That is Bonnie. So, yeah, that's what Bonnie's doing. That's what Bonnie's doing right now. Typically, like right now, I might have to take a break from this because typically when I'm trying to record, this is a very sensitive microphone that I'm talking in right now, Bonnie snores like a 53-year-old obese construction worker. Okay? It is intrusive. It is aggressive, and sometimes when she's snoring, it almost seems like she's trying to piss me off. But, I know she's not. That's just Bonnie. But yeah, so folks, everybody's always asking me all the time what Bonnie's doing. I guarantee you, more than likely, you are going to get the answer that she is sleeping, eating, and or shitting. That's what Bonnie does. That's her, her role here at Taylor Transport. Um, if anything, eye candy and... Uh, I'm her glorified assistant at this point. Yeah, I know a lot of you people think that is just hilarious. Hell, it's funny to me too. I didn't realize after all these years of hard work and overcoming adversity or everything like that, I'd basically be an assistant to a one-eyed. But you know what, folks? I wouldn't have it any other way. I love the little lady. She helps me in more ways than I could possibly describe when it comes to my day-to-day -day out there on the road. I talked about in the last podcast how she fills that void of loneliness when you're out on the road and teaches me to live in the moment, you know? The dog is happy all the time, and if she's not happy, she's in desperate pursuit of happiness, relaxation, and honestly, excess, you know? Again, the dog that eats a half a rotisserie chicken in less than a minute and a half is, frankly, I could, I'm surprised I got mad. I actually should have been impressed. I couldn't even do that. So, but let's go on to another few things here. Let's talk about, we have this upcoming truck show season coming up, and we're going to be going to as many of them as we possibly can. And one thing that I look back in retrospect on the last few truck shows was, the amount of attention Bonnie got, which was fantastic. But you take that in com combination with Bonnie's history, 
Bonnie is a very unique dog, okay? She's a very powerful dog. She has a tainted past like most of us. And if things don't go right, the stakes are pretty high as far as Bonnie possibly getting herself into trouble, you know? She's great with my other dogs, perfectly fine. But when we're at a truck show and she sees another dog, it's like, it's go time. To where my response is usually, Bonnie, we're not doing this. And give you an example here. Uh, she doesn't listen to a word I am saying in those moments. So that being said, I have to keep a pretty short leash on her in public places. I'm not saying that she's an aggressive dog, but you don't take chances with a dog like that. Especially one that you love tremendously and is a massive part of your life and a huge part of your heart. And you rely on deeply for the, the companionship of her. She's, she's like my child. I'm not going to let my child just run in the highway. You're never going to see me let Bonnie off her leash and let her run. And you can be like, you know, some of you bleeding heart buttheads out there and be like, oh, I can't believe that you keep her locked up like that. Well, okay, well, you take that in comparison to, say, if she latches onto your little Shiva in you and tears her leg off, if God forbid, which I doubt she'll do, but I'm not willing to take that gamble, then my dog gets put down. That's like putting down my child. So that's my mindset is I'm in, I live in a constant state of protection to save Bonnie from other things or save her from herself. So that leads to me my, to my point for those of you who are going to see Bonnie at this upcoming truck show season. What I, when I have those moments with Bonnie to where I have to be relatively uh, hurt with her, to where I have to be like, no, you're not doing this, you know, physically sit her down make her look at me. That's all done for a reason because I spend 365 days, 24 hours a day with that dog. I know her as well as she knows her and if not better than she knows herself. So we have a process. So when you see me making her sit down and you, and I get you, some, you ladies, some of you ladies do this all the damn time. Don't do that. Stop being mean to her. Shut the hell up. Stay in your lane. Don't tell me what to do with my dog, you dumbass. Deal with this shit on TikTok all the time. It is exhausting. I have had people chew my ass on TikTok for how long her nails are, for her collar, for her all that shit. But I get, honestly, the good outweighs the bad. Nine times out of ten, everybody's like, dude, that's your dog. You take care of that dog. You know that dog better than anybody. Most of you are great, but... If you come to us at, at a truck show, then please just follow my directions when it comes to interacting with Bonnie. Because frankly, most of the time she's like a shook up beer can. You know, she is the equivalent sometimes of like if you were to open up a mailbox and there were five squirrels inside of it. They're, they're coming at you hot. And that's the way Bonnie is. She's either at a negative four or a positive 5300. She is a doozy, but an absolute delight. I love her. I wouldn't have it any other way. I couldn't imagine driving a mile without her. So that's my little disclaimer for the upcoming truck show season. And I hope to see you guys all out there.
Um, we're really, really going to put our best foot forward this year when it comes to the truck shows. Um, we're excited about it. We're excited about seeing everybody there and uh, playing the win, you know, just putting on our best show and, and making sure that that Bonnie is getting all the love that you guys want to give her. So we've actually, we're kicking around right now. And let me know what you guys think when you guys listen to this and send me a message or comment on Facebook about it. What I'm thinking about doing for every truck show to raise money for charity is set up a kissing booth. Come up and pay five bucks or whatever and get a kiss from old Bonnie. She'll be sitting behind a table and uh, there's nothing like a good old smooch from a happy little husky one-eyed pit bull. I'm telling you, trust me, it's fantastic. She's got tons of love to give and I'm sure she could raise a ton of money for a worthwhile cause for whatever truck show we are at. 100% of the proceeds will always, always, always go to whatever charity is uh, going on at said truck show. So anyway, other than that, we're pushing on with these podcasts here. Guys, I want you also to understand that we're going to continue on with the videos. The videos are going to stay, going to be as frequent, if not more frequent. Kind of dialing back on the TikTok a little bit, other than just giving the updates on what we're doing to funnel them over here to the podcast and over to the YouTube channel and over to Facebook where we'll post. But TikTok, I don't know. Do you guys, are you guys seeing it? TikTok just is seeming like just kind of passe almost. It almost feels like it's dying. I mean, we got shot out of a cannon right out of the gate. We just did a video and got 2.6 million views, 65,000 followers, and just exploded. And we go to truck shows and stuff, and we're signing autographs, signing autographs, and uh, you know, taking pictures with people, and everybody's excited about seeing Bonnie. And then it just, just fizzled out. So, frankly, I want to allocate my time on the things that are going to make the most um forward progress as possible so that being said you know we're not gonna we're still gonna post on there but we're not gonna make it such a focal point like it was before i know people enjoyed them and i know people enjoyed the uh the videos and whatnot but it's just if it's not gonna pay any dividends then we're not really going to put a lot of effort into it and i think that's just good business sense honestly if you think about it um, and I, like I said, it just seems like nonsense anymore. It just seems like brain candy. You know, you, you can't go five minutes without some chick doing a live feed from her trailer and she's eating and eating with her mouth open and, or somebody doing some sort of stupid dance and stuff. And I'm just, I don't know. That's not something I want to really be, uh excited about it. and it kind of bothers me a little bit because it felt like tiktok was making trucking cool again you know we're posting videos and doing all kinds of stuff like i said we're still going to do it but you know you're seeing trucks all lit up and looking beautiful and looking cool and the trucking lifestyle and you know younger kids are getting into it getting excited about it so i was really you know i was all in i was excited about it but then you know when the air kind of fell out of it and it just turned into like i said an idiot convention i'm like i don't want to do this shit so anyway yeah we're just going to kind of keep the ball rolling whatever whatever platform we're on 
Um, a couple things I want to talk about today, though, is that making trucking cool again aspect. How do we do it? How do we do it? How do we make trucking cool again for everybody? Because what we're doing is it, I'm seeing a lot of infighting going on when it comes to trucking. Now, take this for example. I'm a huge fan of a 389 Peterbilt. I'm a big fan of the hood period, right? W9, 389, things like that. The new 990s are cool, but that, that classic vintage look of a hood is, is the blood that runs through my veins. That's what I love, and I love my Pete. And uh, there's a lot of people that share that same sentiment, but there's a lot of people that don't have the option to drive that. I was one for quite some time. And then I've been blessed with the opportunity to drive my truck and be able to make it my own and and uh, and things of that nature. But I'm seeing a lot of people that have the luxury of driving a truck like that shitting all over their fellow colleagues that, that are out here, you know, driving up and down the highway because they don't have that option, you know, and I'll, I'll tell you, there's a lot of them that drive those, those plastic trucks that we like to poo poo all the time that would love to drive something like I drive or like you drive, but they don't, they don't have it like that. So they get up every day with this constant sense of inferiority some of them do. A lot of guys prefer it. You know, God bless them. They prefer it. They like the room. They like the aerodynamic aspects, the fuel economy, and all that stuff. You know, God bless you. If, if you're out there, if you're out there with a Volvo, and you're polishing the rims on that Volvo, you're getting nothing but thumbs up from me, Jack, because you're taking care of your truck, whatever it is. You know, sorry, I'm lighting another cigar. So, if you're if you're doing that, if you're taking pride in your ride, it doesn't matter what you're driving. And most truckers, most good truckers feel that way and will share this same sentiment. But this crapping on each other stuff, you know, for whatever somebody is driving, that's guys, that's got to stop. That's got to come to an end because there are some really, really good drivers out there that take pride in whatever they're driving and you're running them out of the industry. You're making it a hostile work environment and you got to stop it, man. There was uh there was a guy that showed up to the truck show, I think in Mayberry. I think it was where we were. Yeah, it was Mayberry truck show. Great, great truck show. Rained that weekend, but a lot of people showed out and showed well. <clears throat> and this guy showed up, and it was a company truck. And I'm not going to say what the company name was on it, but he showed up. Plain Jane, company truck, plastic. You know, I think it was a Cascadia, right? And there was nothing but murmuring and... People talking shit and be like, what the hell is he doing here? What the hell is he doing here? His truck was clean. Super clean. Treads were clean. Airbags were clean. Show quality, like right off the showroom floor. But it was a nondescript Freightliner Cascadia. Company truck. And I didn't say anything. I listened to people talk shit about it, especially there's a crew of people that were standing next to me. I didn't know them, but they were talking shit. So I took it upon myself to go over there and talk to the guy. I just walked by and said hi to him, and he wanted to pet Bonnie. And I asked him, I was like, I go, so like, uh, this is your first time to you know, this truck show? He goes, yeah, I just had to go. I said, really, why is that? 
And he said, my dad and I used to go to truck shows all the time. And it was kind of our thing. Never missed one. We went to one every year. And he died about three months ago. And I just needed to feel connected with him today. So I just here, I know I don't have a Pete and I don't have a W9. There's no chrome on my truck. So I just, you know, I had my CDL for a year now. I got my truck all cleaned up and just wanted to be here. Makes me feel closer to him. I said, that's awesome, man. Well, I'm glad you're here. I said, stop by my truck later. If you want to come by, hang out with us, you're more than welcome. And he never did. But it was such a paradigm shift. Such a, a massive shift in perspective, you know? And we do this all the time. We're always making assumptions about people. People always saying things about, you know, how this person secures a load and that person doesn't deserve that truck or, you know, he can't drive and he can't do this. And the list goes on and on and on. And I'm not going to sit here and be all negative in this podcast about it. I just want to bring up a poignant example of kind of taking a moment versus us all as drivers gnawing on each other all the time and saying things about each other and, and whatnot. You know, we expect people to understand what we're going through on a day-to-day -day basis when it comes to either four-wheelers or the general public, but yet we show such little patience for one another and little understanding for one another when it comes to why is this person here? Why is this person driving this truck? And what's his backstory, you know? And that ties into Bonnie, for example. It's the same thing. You know, we're at the 75 Chrome Shop show. It's a perfect example. These kids were sitting there behind us while I was talking to some people, and they were stomping on the ground and yelling at Bonnie. And then Bonnie, oh! Barked right back at him. And the mom's like, see, that's what I mean. That's why you don't mess with them pit bulls. That's why I teach you all the time. Don't mess with them pit bulls. They'll kill you. No. They can. But you don't know her story. You don't know that what you're doing is, one, fundamentally wrong to do to an innocent dog that's just standing there minding her own damn business and actually protecting her owner. And two, just make an assumption because she's a pit bull. The worst dog bite I ever dealt with in my life is my neighbor's cocker spaniel. I still have the scar on the top of my hand to prove it. You know, one of the meanest dogs I've ever seen in my life was my dad's damn dog. And it was one of those Bichon, whatever, poodle, freaking dogs named Kersey. Literally the most feminine dog on the planet, meanest, took pride in eating children and trying to eat children. You take Bonnie, loves babies, perfectly gentle and perfect with little kids. And she's a big, bad pit bull. So the same goes for the person driving the plastic truck. That person probably lived their entire life thinking about nothing but trucks. Living for the moment to just drive a truck. Didn't care what kind of truck it was. Just want to be there amongst everybody. I spent a lot of time going to truck stops just to hang out. Kind of like I did before I became a truck driver. 
Just wanted to be there. Go walk through the parking lot. I didn't even have a truck to put in the parking lot. So I used to go to the TA over there in Cartersville, park my car in the parking lot over there in the front, and just take a little stroll, take Bonnie with me, and take a little stroll through the parking lot just to look at the trucks and imagine what it's like to be a truck driver. And now here I am living what was once a dream of mine. So you don't know if that person's in the first chapter of their dream, yet you're making an assumption about them. You don't, they're not, their story hasn't been written yet. You don't know what stage they are in the play of their life. This could just be the, the forward section, like that's in a book. That's setting the, the pace for the story of their life. Because at the end of the day, you have the ability to write your own story. You have the ability to be your own hero. You know, there's a saying, be tolerant with others and strict with yourself. That's twofold. Be tolerant with others and strict with yourself. I could go off on a tangent and rant nonstop about my issues with other people in my day-to-day -day dealings. And every amount of effort that I spend doing that is effort wasted. It's effort that I can put into the development of myself to be a better version of me than I was yesterday. You know, really becoming a student of, I don't want to use the term personal development or self-growth because I sound like some heady, psychoanalytical, bullshit, self-help type of guru type of rhetoric that I'm not inclined to be a part of. That's not what I'm setting out to do. It's just mainly opening up a dialogue about the things that I think about from a day-to-day -day perspective. But with that being said, you can't help but think, what can I do to make a difference if you are in that mindset? I know that 99.9% .9 of the truck drivers that have been doing this for any amount of time or just getting into this sit back and think, what happened? What went wrong? And I hope that most of them think, what can we do to make it better? You know? Really, really ask yourself that. What can we do to make it better? What can I do to make me better? And if I make me better and I'm a part of this thing, then I make the whole thing better. You know, one of my favorite uh, new authors now is uh, David Goggins. And he has a quote saying, You are in danger of living a life so comfortable and soft that you will die without ever realizing your true potential. I wonder if that's why a lot of the people that have been in this for a while and have let themselves go across the board, physically, psychologically, spiritually, that if they're sitting back going, I blew it. I have one shot. We have one shot. To do this, we have we get to go on this ride, this little Six Flags ride called life, one time. Now we're going to do it. And that when I started thinking like that, I met a man a long time ago. He was an author named Bolozov, and he specialized in 
people overcoming adversity, people, you know, getting in trouble and falling down in life. And then he wrote a book about, you know, the change in that. And he really changed my perspective on my own self image, on how I look at me, you know? And it made me be more critical of myself and start saying, and, and being hard on myself and saying, are you better today than you were days ago? Are you were better today than you were years ago? That's one reason why I moved away from my hometown and why I don't go back. Because I went back after 15 years, I think. I went back after 15 years of being gone from my hometown. And by and large, a lot of people were very happy to see me and very kind. But there was always this underlying undertone of, oh, yeah, I remember this and I remember that. I went back and saw my old man. And I mean, he actually, one time we were talking, and they, him and my stepmom brought up things about how he used to not clean my room. I'm like, you're still hung up on that shit? You know? And when I realized that I had to get away from an environment that wouldn't let me get past the ceiling that they were willing to have over my head and realize that I was in control of that ceiling that was over the top of my head. I realized the potential that I promise you, I promise you if I would have stayed there, never would have been able to experience a minute fraction of what I've achieved in my life. Because the absolute desire to not accept mediocrity or what was being issued to me. I refuse to be that guy with hat in hand going, please, sir, may I have some more? Fuck you. I want what I want, and I'm willing to do what it takes to get it. I know this sounds like I'm kind of getting off track here, but it all kind of ties into each other. You know, you are the sum total of people you hang around with. That's That guy Dan Pena says all the time, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Are you being negative to your negative to your fellow man because the people you're around are negative all the time? I've touched on this multiple times about the reason why I don't take calls from certain people anymore. I don't talk on the phone that much anymore. And I don't subscribe to uh, what a lot of people are doing is because I know if I pick up the phone with them, it's like, oh boy, this and that and the other thing. They're complaining about this and they're complaining about that. And I really don't want to hear it. Because if we're not talking about a solution, then we're just pissing this precious commodity that we call time away. We're not doing anything with it. We're just sitting here complaining. We're not problem solving. We're not concentrating 99% of our effort on the solution and 1% on the problem. There's no changing that that fact that okay that problem is there and we could sit there and just keep batting that problem back and forth between us back and forth back and forth and then next thing you know it's two hours later and we haven't talked about a single fucking solution i'm not going to talk to you on the phone again when you're sitting there bitching to somebody about this guy because he drives a plastic truck and you're saying all this negative stuff, but you, you're not taking any effort to go out there and find out who the guy is and meet the guy. You know how many people I have met in the past two years alone that have said, oh, dude, I, I saw your Facebook post or I saw this. I hated you. I hated you. And then I met you. And now I'm talking to these people I'm like, dude, you guys even met him yet? 
most of the people that meet me wind up liking me. And if you don't wind up liking me, it's probably because I told you some freaking truth about yourself you didn't want to fucking hear. But that's on you. That's your cross you have to bear. I always tell people all the time, I lived 40 some odd years without knowing you. If you decide to walk away from me because X, Y, and Z, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do all right. Because I am not stopping for anything. My, my old mentor in life, uh, brilliant businessman, very successful millionaire, he, uh, he used to have this philosophy. If you're late, you're left. You're getting on the plane. If you're late getting there, you are left. Hands down. Trust your gut. Trust your gut above all anything else. And that's one of the things that we deal with in society now is everybody wants to Google something and make sure that they're right. And nobody goes on gut instinct anymore. Nobody ever goes on gut instinct anymore. And honestly, what people go upon anymore is what's spoon-fed to them. What is what they found on imright.com. That's what people go with. And they get paralysis by overanalysis. And then they do nothing. And then it's failure to launch. But we have an opportunity, each and every one of us that's listening to this, we all have an opportunity to be great. We all have an opportunity to take control of our life, take the keys back, take the steering wheel back, put it in gear, and take the vehicle of our life wherever we want to go to. You want to start a business, you go online, you figure it out. Everything I do vis-a-vis -vis social networking has pretty much been self-taught. I want to do a podcast, I'm doing one. I want to do a YouTube video, I'm going to do one. If I want to do a documentary, I'm going to do one. And I'm not going to sit here and be told just because you've never done it that I can or cannot do it. It is maddening to me when I get people on my phone and I start talking about my intentions and the things that I do. And I either get these unsolicited opinions, what you need to do is this, and what you need to do is that. And these are usually people that don't, I would understand if you're doing what I'm doing. I would understand if you have a podcast, and you have a YouTube channel, and you are taking pictures of your truck, and you are out there putting yourself out there, and burying yourself for all the world to see, exposing your 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 soft underbelly to society, and let people have at you, and stand there and say, look at me, what do you think? If you were doing that, I would listen to you, but you sit underneath the old shade tree way off back in a safe distance, or you hide behind the front door of your house, or in the front seat of your truck, and never come out, and you tell me what the hell to do? Get lost. I am not listening to you. Now, will I sit there and humor you and nod my head and go, oh, wow, thanks. Thanks. I appreciate the uh, information. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'll do that. And if you do it enough, then I'll have to uh, be a little more forthright than that. So I don't have to endure your endless blathering nonsense. So, but that goes along with me too. If you do not like what I have to say on this, this, uh, this podcast here, it is a very easy fix, folks. Don't listen to it. Find a chair and go fuck off in it. Period. I'm going to talk about whatever I'm thinking about. I'm going to talk in this podcast like I'm talking to a friend. 
And we're sitting around having a cigar, having a couple glasses of scotch, sitting in a couple of comfortable chairs, and have these little campfire chats with you guys and talk about whatever comes to mind, and then go from there and see where this goes. And if nothing happens, nothing happens. If something happens, great, great, that's awesome. But at least I tried. It's not going to be easy. It is nothing about anything that I'm doing is going to be easy. You know, there's that that saying, difficulty is what wakes up the genius. Well, how many unrealized geniuses are out there that have never reached their true potential because they're too afraid of difficulty? Well, difficulty could be trying to endure a job change, a residential change, all the way to starting a YouTube channel and getting people that constantly hammer on you, telling you to shut up. Difficulty is dealing with two years of naysayers, haters, and bullshit about what you're doing and answering them back with a fucking podcast. And you know what you get when you do that? When you bear all in the face of adversity? You get one, the hope for success and the possibility for success. Two, when you reach a level of success, you get a thing called confidence. And when you get a thing called confidence, then that is the fuel that you use to go on to your next endeavor. One of my favorite, favorite quotes, and I know I'm I'm doing a lot of quoting here. I had a couple in front of me that I write down from time to time that I keep on my desk, but one was, man cannot remake himself without suffering, for he is both the marble and the sculptor. If you don't like where you are in your life, change it. If you do not like your plastic truck that people keep busting your balls about, then you roll up your sleeves, you dig, you scratch, you claw, you find the place that has what you want, or you go out and get what you want on your own. And you can't say that it can't be done, because I did the first part of it. I was not satisfied with where I was and how I was treated, and I didn't like the equipment. I didn't like anything about it. And there was this one place that I used to go on their Facebook page day after day after day, and I would look at their trucks. And then I would go up to MHC in Atlanta, and I would see their trucks that they would take out of the fleet and sell as used trucks up there. And they were the end-all, be-all. Big W9s. I remember it was like a... Gunmetal grayish W900, beautiful bass boat sparkle. I stepped up on the step boards on it. It was a Saturday or a Sunday. They were closed, and I looked in that truck and I just fantasized about what it would be like driving that truck. And it still had the Taylor logo on it. I researched them. I called them. I was told I didn't have enough experience yet. 
Right back in two years. And I called. When my time was up, when I was eligible, I called. And I prayed and I hoped and I got my opportunity. And the thing is, is it's like buying a house or buying a car. When you get an opportunity like that, the easy part is getting it in the grand scheme of things. The easy part is signing your name on that deed or signing your name to that lease agreement or that financing paperwork or whatever. The hard part is keeping it. That's where the work comes in. Because when you get that opportunity, when that opportunity comes across your table, and here's your one shot, that's when you mash the throttle. That's when you eat, breathe, sleep, shit, everything about what your goal is because you've just been given Willy Wonka's gold fucking ticket. And it's time that you, you guard it. You guard it with everything you have. My first truck at Taylor was a great truck. Unbelievable truck. If that truck was at that shitty company I used to work at, people would have fought in the parking lot for that truck. But compared to the rest of the truck in the Taylor trucks in the Taylor fleet, it wasn't the best. Had a couple of bugaboos, a couple issues with it. Five hundred thousand miles on it, but that was my proving ground. And the second I got that truck, the first trip I got, every time those wheels stopped on my way for all of my stops across the country, I was polishing that truck. I was cleaning that truck. I was taking pictures of that truck, and I loved that truck like it was a freaking Rolls Royce. And alongside that, I publicly declared my belief in it. So when that truck went down, I had to get some work done on it. The owner of the company saw my potential and gave me a shot with a truck that I've dreamed about since I was a little boy. And ever since the days I got the keys to that truck, I have spent every waking moment, taking care of it like it was brand new, giving it everything I have, doing everything I possibly could to make sure the owner of the company did not look at me and say, well, you pissed away that opportunity. And you're not getting another one after that. And I see guys do that all the time. They get an opportunity, a chance with a beautiful truck in our fleet. They get it. And they get that bullshit attitude. It's just damn work truck, man. That chrome don't get you home. They don't pay me to polish no truck. Okay, asshole. That's great. Don't bitch when your next truck ain't great. Don't bitch when you don't get all the stuff and all the bells and whistles that you want on it. Don't complain. Because you've just been handed a quarter of a million dollar machine. And you hand it back to the boss to where it's freaking all beat to hell and then he's going to take a bath when he decides to sell it and put, put another truck in the fleet to replace it? Okay. Don't scratch your head in confusion when you don't get that opportunity back. And that is life. That is, well, 100%, that scenario right there is life. Sometimes you only get that one shot and it goes to the People you surround yourself and your belief system and your core belief system and what you're planning on doing, 
you get that one shot and you're hanging around with a bunch of negative assholes and you're bitching and pissing and moaning about other people and you're taking your eye off the prize and looking over the fence at that guy's truck and making fun of him while you're not looking at your own truck and not doing your own shit. And next thing you know, opportunity slips through your hands and you're sitting there fucking confused on why it did. You're sitting there after you deal with a bunch of adversity and you're given an opportunity to have exactly what you asked for, exactly what you wanted. And then when you get it, you bitch about it. And then it slips away. And you're the victim? You should really read, there's two books called Unfuck Yourself and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. I forget which one of them it is, but both of those books have kind of like an underlying tone. But you come to this realization that 99% of the the things that happen in life are because of the decisions you've made. You know, if you want to get popped for a gun charge because homeboy had a freaking gun in his waistband, you know, and you guys are out there goofing off and doing stupid shit, at the end of the day, if you would have stayed home, you wouldn't have that problem. At the end of the day, if you picked better friends, you wouldn't have that problem. At the end of the day, if you were sitting at home being about your shit, you wouldn't have that problem. And I know it sounds like I'm doing a lot of grandstanding, and I won't unpack my life story on here. Lisa, hey, I won't. But I'm going to tell you this. If you knew my life story and you know from which I've come from, you'd I listen a little better because I know what the fuck I'm talking about. I've come from nothing 10 times over. I've rebuilt things from to an epic proportion in a very short amount of time, multiple times. And the key factor in it, that X factor that has always been in it is this unwavering, just lockjaw approach on doing it to the best of my ability and not being satisfied until I got what I wanted. That's could it also could be that I'm ADHD as shit and that's just kind of how I roll. But but anyway, I do you see how this all ties in? It all ties in from you know sitting here bitching about somebody and us bitching about you know a person that's over there and he's got a plastic truck. And we're over here sitting in the luxury of our hoods, you know, making fun of the guy. And what I always get a kick out of is the people that are company drivers, me being one of them, being a company driver sitting there making fun of a guy's truck who is also a company driver when we're both sitting in things that were provided for us. I did not go out and buy this quarter of a million dollar orange 389 Peterbilt. It was entrusted to me by a man who's done more work than I will ever be able to do in five lifetimes and knows more about this industry and what I do for a living than I will ever know between now and when I take my final breath. So at least, at the least I can do is show a little fucking gratitude. And that's something a lot of you can do. And you can sit here and say all day long, you're just a company man, man. You're just living under the boss's desk and all that. Look, if you talk like that after everything I've just said, I can promise you 150% 
that there isn't a single fuck I could give about your opinion. Because you're a level of stupid that no podcast could ever correct. This is the way I live my life. This is the way I operate. This is the way I do things. And I deal with all the time. Well, I want what Stogie has. I want what Stogie has. Well, then fucking do what Stogie does then. But none of you are willing to do what I do. While you guys are sitting on bass boats, or you guys are sitting here, sitting there, doing this or doing that, or just sitting around picking your own ass, I'm pulling into a truck stop, taking my dog out for a piss, grabbing a cup of coffee, lighting a cigar, getting my polishing shit out, and I'm polishing my truck. And I don't stop until I'm done. If I got an opportunity to wipe my truck down when I pull into a truck stop, when I go to a place where it just rained and my truck is completely covered in water droplets and it's like just completely covered, I look at it like a blessing, like, ooh, free car wash. Because I get out a couple rags and I use that rainwater to basically wash my truck by hand. To at least get the residue and the salt and the bullshit off of it. You guys bitch about when you can get to the next Blue Beacon. Or just bitch, oh, I ain't taking pictures of my truck. It's too dirty. I can't even look at it. Get your fucking ass out of the truck and do something about it. And the only reason I'm saying that is because you assholes, some of you guys, you watch my Facebook, you know I do that. It ain't me just talking about shit from a philosophical standpoint. It is me 100% telling you exactly what I do, and I got the proof 10 times over to show you that I do it. So, fight me. I don't give a shit. Anyway. Hold on, let me light my cigar. So that being said, that's where I'm coming from today. Just a little time to sit back and reflect and think about where you've been, where you're going, what have you done, and what do you want to do. I always tell people when they used to come into my cigar shop, I'd tell them, cigars are great. I'd see guys come in. They worked all damn day. They light a cigar. They plop down in that chair. Lean their head back and look at the ceiling tiles and just go. Hmm. And you think. Where have I gone? What am I doing? Especially us as men. What have I done? Where am I going? How do I get there? What do I have to do to get there? And you just think. And you sort it out. You think it through. For me, a cigar helps me do that. Makes me sit down. Take it easy. You never see anybody doing jumping jacks, smoking a cigar. It's a sit down, contemplative type of thing. And you stare off at that. 100 mile stare and think about your next move and how you're going to get there and what you're going to do to get there. How can you make it all work for the benefit of what you have in your mind as a dream and turn it into reality? But sitting in a round table full of a bunch of guys bitching and not doing anything about it serves me no purpose. I might as well be off in the corner punching myself in the face, frankly. If you can dream it in your mind, you can do it. You know, 
Years ago, I went to see a friend of mine. I grew up with him, literally grew up with him all of my life. Known him ever since kindergarten. And we moved away and lost touch from one another. We kind of always talked on the phone. And then years later, I came back and had a couple conversations. It literally changed and transformed the entire course of my life. I grew up, and, and some of you guys are seeing this. Some of you guys didn't know this, but I play guitar, and you're seeing on Facebook page me playing guitar and things like that. Well, that used to be a big part of my life, right? Massive, massive part of my life. My parents divorced at a very young age, and my dad's response towards fatherhood was basically getting me any amount of musical gear that I wanted, and he, and he supplemented that like a babysitter for me, how parents nowadays give their kids an Xbox and say, here, go, go play with this. Get the hell out from under my feet. Same thing, but dad did it with guitars and amps and whatnot. We lived out in the country in a little subdivision, but it was out in the country, you know, next to a big old cornfield. And my dad would leave on the weekends because he was dating some lady an hour away. And my mom just basically abandoned me as a child. So come Friday nights, and you know, most days during the week because my dad worked second shift, I'd come home to school, come home from school to an empty house. All I had was guitar. On Fridays, dad would leave a couple Red Baron pizzas in the kitchen for me, and that was my food for the weekend, and he would leave and not come home till late Sunday night, and then Monday we'd do it all over again. Get wildly pissed off when I put my guitar down and go blow something up in the backyard or accidentally start a fire in the garage, but hey, I'll get you attention, old man. But that guitar was more than just a guitar to me. It was my only friend. That was the, the thing I would tell my secrets to. That was the thing that would make music. That would I always say music is what feelings sound like. If I was angry, I'd play something angry. If I was sad, I'd play something sad. And then I got good at it. I played in my first blues bar. I think it was 12, 11, 12, 13. And it got good. So going back to seeing my friend, when I moved to Atlanta and saw my friend that I've known literally in my entire life, we were sitting there one day and he was asking me, he's like, do you play guitar anymore? And I was like, no, not really. You got kids. I can't. And he was like, why, dude? You were good. I said, I don't know, man. I just kind of gave up on it. He goes, dude, I used to tell my dad all the time you were going to be a rock star. You were going to be a rock star, man. My dad used to tell me all the time, that boy ain't going to do nothing but play in a fucking hillbilly bar and ain't going to ever mount to shit. And I tell you what, folks, when I heard those words out loud, that felt like acid in my veins. My face got hot, red hot, pissed off hot. And I, I vowed from that moment, really, motherfucker? All right, I'll show you. And at that time, I was about 120 pounds overweight. I was so heavy that my belly came past my knees. Started doing P90X. Lost, I think, 120 pounds. Went and bought a little cheap piece of shit guitar because I had no money. I had barely any money at all. A little piece of shit guitar. Started practicing. And it was crazy. My my brain knew what to do, but my hands had no clue. They just atrophied. 
And I practiced and I practiced and I practiced. And then I met a friend who is a, I'm not going to say who it is, but he's got a couple Grammys. And uh, he wound up gifting me all kinds of gear. Professional quality touring style gear. And then I freaking punched it even farther. Practiced, lived and breathed it. And then I got an opportunity to play in a band. A very well-known band in the Atlanta area. And did well with it. And that band disbanded. And I started turning into kind of like a little bit of a hired gun type of deal. Somewhat for a very small amount of time. And wound up getting in another band that had a European tour coming up. And next thing you know, I'm hanging out backstage. And I'm drinking with freaking Motorhead. And watching bands like Slipknot putting on their jumpsuits before a show. And hanging out with Anthrax and meeting Five Finger Death Punch. And on and on we go. And I reached a level of quasi-faux-rock-star-level success. And man, oh man, did it feel good. Signing autographs after a show. I remember one time my son, he's 29 now, he was in the audience and I was up on stage playing the masquerade in Atlanta up in the top floor they called Heaven. And big show, people as far as I could see. Couldn't see the back of the crowd. And I looked at my son from on stage and we're rocking out doing our thing. And I pound on my chest and I point to him and the guy in the audience goes, do you know that guy? Do you know the guitar player? Zach looks at him and goes, know him? That's my fucking dad. That's your dad? What a great moment that was for me as a father to see that. You know? Now, I guarantee you that, you know, some of you, I could have lost you with that, but that's a little story. That's just a small, brief snippet of, of how I feel as far as what I've done. But you know that same friend, he told me one time when I came back to Atlanta before I lost the weight and before I, you know, became a musician and did the things that I did that I'm happy that I did, you know, it's, I don't regret it. I enjoyed it. Moving on to bigger and better things now, Correct. But him and I were sitting on the back deck one day, and like I said, we went to kindergarten together. And he's in the big, beautiful new construction house that he built, traveling all over the world with his career. And I was sitting there, we were having a couple beers, and I was just sitting there like, you know, boo-hoo in my life. Like, God, look at you, man, and look at me. And he proceeded to tell me about his educational background. You know, because he was like, dude, what's your problem? I was like, well, dude, look at your life and look at mine. I don't have shit. And he started talking about, you know, what he did to get where he was. And it came to the tune of nine years of solid effort and schooling to achieve that goal of where he is. Nine years after high school alone, not considering the 12 years prior to that, that he busted his ass while I was off playing grab ass with Susie Rotten Crotch and doing stupid shit and keg stands and beer bongs and whatnot. And he never, he never deviated from that course. And he reached a level of success. And he said, dude, tell me what you've done in your life where you've spent nine years with unwavering, focused effort on one objective. You can't, can you? And again, it was like, oh, bam, gut check. 
So that's that's what that's the summary of what I'm talking about here is just this unwavering focus on if you have something in your mind that you want to achieve and that you have something you want to do and a place where you want to be, then lock into it. Like Bonnie, bury your teeth into it, shake it to the ground into submission and make it your own. That is all you have to do. And don't let anybody get in the way with it. Don't let anybody make you deviate from where you're going. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do it. Write your own fucking ticket. Punch your own fucking ticket. Get in that vehicle of life that you have and go to where you need to go. And fuck what anybody else thinks. Especially the ones that are publicly declaring that they have no intention to do anything but the bare minimum. And if you notice... If you really take notice, the people that say this shit, this negative shit, there will always be that commonality of mediocrity with them. You'll always see that. Almost always see that. And if they're successful, then they're just insecure as shit thinking that you are going to steal their thunder. But at the end of the day, that's still a public declaration of mediocrity because they want to do a certain level of work. And if you come in doing the same level of work, then that means they're going to have to punch it up or do more or race you. Jack, you get on the freaking treadmill with me, man. I tell you what, I'm going to be dead before I get off the treadmill if you're racing alongside of me. You want to run with me? Run with me. If you want to see if you can beat me, Man, come on, because the only thing I know is going to happen out of that is I'm going to reach a level of success that I never dreamed of because I ain't letting up. And you're actually you're actually doing me a favor. You're pushing me, and thank you very much. Come on. Come on, put your running shoes on. Let's go. Let's do this. That's the way I look at it, and that's the way I hope you look at it too. Let's all go and be successful together. There's plenty of room at the table in this life. You just got to want it. So anyway, I could go on and on and on about this for hours. You guys know I can. I am going to just leave you with this. I hope you reach everything that you have ever dreamed of, if not more. Because if you do, this world will be a better place if it's for the right reasons. And we'll all be successful together. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for sitting here with me, spending this time with me. I hope you guys do it again. I hope you're all doing well and life is being kind to you. And pay it forward to the people that you come into contact with. Be good to your fellow man. Be good to each other. And again, folks, if you like this episode or if you like the other episodes and you believe in what we're doing here, please share subscribe, share it with your friends, share it in your favorite Facebook page if it applies, send it on to the people that you care about, that you know will listen to it, and help this thing get off the ground. Again, write in. If you have questions or things you want us to cover, if you want to be on the show, you want to talk about something, I'm opening up the doors for dialogue on it, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. Guys, I hope you're happy, healthy, loving, and living life, and old Bonnie and I, See you on the back off. Giddy up.